hello, hello. You are first ever episode of Patrick Young and the Rowdy. I'm your host, Gator basketball great Patrick Young, currently stationed across the Atlantic Ocean in Athens, Greece, here to give you all things Florida basketball and more. First, I want to thank you wherever you are from the bottom of my heart. It means so much to me and the folks from the Field of 68 Media Network that have made this podcast possible. If you could please do us a favor as we walk this journey together by hitting the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts or whichever platform you use, it will be greatly, greatly appreciated. And now it's time for our first guest ever, a man that has shown me how to treat the game of basketball with reverence and gratitude, how to stay in the moment, how to grow and become better, how to continue to strive for excellence and fight through adversity. Who better to start a podcast dedicated to Florida basketball other than the one and only Billy Donovan? Coach Donovan, how are you doing, my man? Big Pat, I'm doing great. Great to be on with you and great to see you. Where are you right now? I'm actually in Florida. I'm getting ready to leave tomorrow to head to Chicago. Uh, so I got some time to spend um, over here in, in Crescent Beach. Uh, I got an opportunity to spend a couple weeks here before we have to pick up and move to Chicago. So it's uh, so it was a good little, uh, a little good little break before things get started. In Florida, how's uh, how's everybody doing? How's how's Christine? How's Billy, Hasbrook, Brian, and Connor? How are we all yeah. doing? I, I saw I saw Brian at your uh, court dedication. His beard was as big as mine. What's what's going <laughs> on there, Coach? <laughs> it's amazing, Pat. They've, they've all grown. Uh, Billy, my, my oldest, I, I hired him. He's going to come to Chicago. He's with the Phoenix Suns last year, so he's going to work in the video room, which was great. And I was really grateful that, you know, Monty Williams and and uh, was able to hire him in Phoenix for the year. And, and he's a great guy, and I got a lot of respect for him. Monty and I worked together for a year in Oklahoma City. And then Hasbrook is teaching uh, Orange Theory uh, in Gainesville, and she's pretty much rooted there. And that's kind of home for her. She'll, I don't think she'll ever leave Gainesville. She loves it there. Uh, and then Brian, because he was a senior in college when all the, the, the COVID hit and his uh, senior year uh, got canceled, you know, they didn't never really graduated or anything. He finished his basketball season. So he's trying to figure out the next step of what he wants to do. It's kind of tough with everything that's going on. Uh, but he graduated. He's finished. And then Connor started. Uh, she's a freshman right now at Providence College. So it's been a little bit of a challenging time for her just because of the virus and, you know, them having to um, shut down the school for a few weeks, bring people back. But uh, Christine's doing great. We're all doing great. I appreciate you asking, Pat. Absolutely. Wow, that's full circle. Connor's going to uh, your old alma mater. That's, that's pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. So, yeah, it's hard to believe she's a freshman in college. So we'll see how it works out. Yeah, it, it was crazy for me, Coach. Uh, you know, I go from playing under you for four years, and then I got to play for Monty Williams as well for a little bit when I was at New Orleans. And then it was complete. Not only was it culture shock when I went overseas, uh, you know, no, no discredit to how they, they coach basketball differently, but I was just like, wow, no scouting, uh, no drills that are uh, for the game. We're not working. We're running the same exact sets the, the entire season. Uh, there's no real, real accountability to taking care of yourself. I was like, wow, this is, it's, this is not, it, made, it made me truly appreciate the four years um, and understanding what it takes to become a professional. Uh, that it's, it's, it's under, being a professional, it's understanding that you yourself are the business. 
for your like if you don't if you're not taking care of your responsibilities and doing the things that you know you need to do to put yourself in the best position you can't expect somebody else to do it for you because no one else is going to hold your hand and at the end of the day it's all about wins and losses and <laughs> it, you, you, it, you know when uh they're, they're looking to sign you for a contract you know they're gonna they're gonna look at that record look and see how you produce and you're gonna be the only one that knows did i give it all did i take care of myself was i getting my rest was i doing what i need to do uh and if not you know that's that's on you. No, Pat, you got it down really, really well. You know, that's, I think, the biggest thing. I think, you know, just my time in college with you guys, there was always this part, whether it be the NBA or overseas, or just getting a job, you know, just the, the responsibility you have to have to, you know, get yourself motivated to play, get yourself ready for your job. And you're exactly right. You know, like, once you leave that facility, um, you know, you're, you're in kind of, you're in charge of, of, of your business, so to speak. You're in charge of your body. You're in charge of your rest. You're in charge of, you know, how well you recover. You're in charge of whether or not you decide to go back and get extra shots up. You, know, you got to take ownership in your career because when the games or practice happen, you know, they expect you to go be professional, work hard, but there's so much more, as you know, in terms of being successful other than just showing up to practice. And th those are some of the things I think that uh, a lot of younger players struggle with when they first get, especially spending a year, you know, maybe in college and then making that jump because there's so much free time and how effective and productive and efficient can you be with the time that you have? Yeah, it's, it's very interesting you say that. You know, I, I know myself personally, I struggle with it big time. It's, it's uh, especially in this age of social media and uh, not that it's not a tool that can't be useful, but it, it's so much poison at times for, for guys that have a vision and a focus for themselves that are um, you know, I hate to say it, a lot of smoke's getting blown up their butts and they think that they're all this and that. Um, and, and maybe they are. Maybe when they're in high school, no one's criticizing them, they're pointing out their flaws and weaknesses, what they're doing wrong. Then you get to college and you realize you have, I remember freshman year, I had 7.30 a.m. Uh, <laughs> uh, public speaking class that I was just <laughs> allergic to getting to on time. <laughs> and you, you and Tom Williams had to get on me a few times for that one. but. You know, getting to class on time, we have the class checkers, you got study hall, uh, you have, you know, starting off in October, we had two-a-day practices, um, just needing to balance all those things out and just understand all the scouting, all the, all the defensive sets, all the terminology, it's a lot for someone to, to grasp and, and to think that you're going to come in with an arrogance that uh, I'm just going to walk into this situation and, and it's gonna, I'm going to be the man. Not saying that there aren't a few guys that can do that. You know, there's a special few, but for the majority, they're, they're not able to walk into success and, and for basketball to come to them that easily. No, you're right, Pat. And I mean, you take someone like yourself, right? You know, as, and, and uh, just your group with you and Will and Scotty and Casey, uh, you know, you guys together, it would be almost impossible for a freshman to come in and have any chance of beating one of you guys out because of the level of experience that you had, understand the terminology, understanding the season, understanding the league, understanding opponents, scouting systems, like there's so much as you just mentioned. And, you know, it's a gradual buildup. And for, for, to your point, for a freshman to leave home for the first time, to now have to be responsible to get to class, to balance the basketball in the books, uh, to take care of themselves, to eat right, uh, to get themselves motivated and ready for two days, you know, when, when the, we start first start practicing, it's a lot. And it can be really, really, really overwhelming. And especially if you don't see yourself having success on the court, 
you know, because as you mentioned in high school, everybody that's on the team at Florida was the best player on the high school team. Now they're all kind of coming together. And you know what? You realize that, wow, like it's pretty competitive and there's a lot to learn, a lot to get better from. And if, if that's not going well for you, you know, it can become somewhat depressing where, you know, you feel like you're disappointed in yourself. You, you thought you'd be a little bit further along. You thought you'd be able to make more of an impact. And those things are real for players. And it's, it's, it's hard for guys to deal with that in a lot of ways. Yeah, that, that was something I certainly, I certainly dealt with. Uh, just that expectation, that, that false, the frustration came from a, a false expectation that I, I expected things to be easier for me in a sense and, and not understanding uh, that, that the criticism, I know, you know, just a lot of kids, I, for me personally, I'll tell you my experience, I just wasn't great at accepting criticism. And I'm so thankful that you had the patience uh, working with me through the four years. Cause that's, that's one thing I, whenever someone asked me about you, like, how was it like, what was it like playing with Coach Jonathan? I was like, you know, what, what, what I really loved about Coach Jonathan was that he would get on you and hold you accountable. We would make up for it. We'd fix it. And then we'd move on. We'd forget about it. And then, and then he just, all right, push you to, to get better. And I'm like, that, that type of atmosphere, when you know that your coach isn't going to hold a grudge on you and keep uh, bringing up old things and that he, he it's coming out of love, uh, that he wants to push me, he sees the greatness in me, was something that I really, really uh, was so thankful for. And, and that's something that starts in the recruiting process. I know, I, 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 you, I ha you have to be happy that, uh, you know, you're not running around chasing kids like you, <laughs> like you had to uh, – <laughs> When you're the coaching in college uh, with the, the yeah, you know what I'm, sure you, I'm sure you did all types of recruiting things. Yeah, you know what? I, I, I did not mind the recruiting. You know, the only thing I didn't like on the recruiting is when, you know, I felt like I wasted a lot of time, you know what I mean, mm. recruiting somebody that we knew, you know, or thought we could get. But at the end of the day, you realize looking back, we really never had a chance. We wasted all this time. But to get, to get a chance to know your dad and your mom and your sister and your family and everybody over at Providence, uh, where you went to high school and the people there. Yeah. I mean, I enjoy that. You know, you meet great people and, you know, Coach Martin, I'll see him. We'll still keep in touch every once in a while. And, you know, it's just, it's just, it's just really, really interesting, those relationships. Now, there are times where you sit there and you're flying all over the place watching guys play and you're like, geez, th this is really for nothing. You know, those, those are the ones that are tough, but – you know, for the most Especially part, watching was, AAU basketball. <laughs> <laughs> Especially watching some AAU basketball games. I'm sure that has that's, to be tough. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So that can get a little bit old too. But I, I enjoyed, you know, the the relationship with you guys. You know, Scotty and you and and Will and Casey and just your guys' own personal stories and your guys' own personal backgrounds and your guys' journey. You know, as a coach, to be a part of that and to see that from when you guys came in, you know, as freshmen, but even before that, you know, when the recruiting process started, when you guys were sophomores and juniors and seeing right. that you guys at 15 years old and then all of a sudden becoming a, a freshman in college at sometimes 17 or 18 years old and then seeing you guys graduate, like it, it was really neat to be part of like that time around you guys and a lot of other players and also to see, I think, the, the family support that you guys got. You know, the one thing I always, Patrick, admired about your mom and dad is obviously you were McDonald's American, one of the best players in the country coming out of high school. And your mom used to say this all the time, you know what, Patrick's got to go live his life. I'm living mine. I don't need, I don't need, you know, and I've always admired that, you know, that your parents really just wanted what was best for you and wanted you to be happy and wanted you to pursue and strive whatever you wanted to do in your life. And it was really 
great to be around them to see that kind of support where they had carved out their own career, their own identity and their own life. And they were living their life, but they were going to try to mentor and help you. And, but they wanted you to make your own decisions and do what you wanted to do, which I always thought was great. Yeah. I mean, you, you hit it right on the head. I really, sometimes I do think about, uh, you know, if I would have left earlier, if I would have left uh, college earlier, maybe not after my freshman year, because there's no way I was <laughs> three, three points, three rebounds a game. There's no, <laughs> but you know, some guys are going lottery three points, three rebounds a game. So I won't uh, knock that, but I, yeah. I have some, some time thinking like, you know, what if, what if I would have, but I never had the um, expectation or pressure from my parents of you need to go and, and get to the NBA and be a, you know, I'm not saying it's, it's a, in a negative sense, like a meal ticket or you know, the way out. But my family, they work middle class, working family. They support my, you know, I, I look back and think about my dad. Um, and I got a chance to really, since I was out this past year, really got a chance to spend so much more time with him and, and learning more about his upbringing. And it was, this just broke my heart that, you know, his dad never came to a single one of his football games. Uh, I want to say his entire life. So my dad made the choice that for my sister and I, that he was going to invest so much time in supporting us in everything that we did. And that's why they, I don't think I ever got, I ever, uh, told you this story. Um, when I was, you know, I played baseball with my first sport and I actually started baseball from, from four years old. I, I threw a perfect game when I was 15 years old. Um, and I thought we all thought I was actually going to play baseball. That was going to be my, my sport. And um, my, when I was 17 years old, I was still at Paxton, the first high school where you, you came and recruited me um, out of, uh, I was slipping in my, of my grades. You know, I allowed the, the wrong people to get around me. I started thinking I was all this and that and uh, came back home. You know, my mom doesn't play. I had like four C's on my report cards. <laughs> and at this point, she's like, uh, you know, Patrick, uh, you, you're going to have to decide what you're going to do what you need to do. You're, you're not playing basketball and baseball this year. And for me, it was easy. I was already committed to playing uh, basketball at Florida. And I wasn't having a great relationship with the coaches at Paxton at the time with baseball-wise. So it seemed like the right decision. So I don't play that year. Uh, the baseball team goes on to the Final Four in high school without me. <laughs> and then I go uh, transfer to Providence my senior year. And I'm like, you know what? They have a good baseball program here. You know, it's, you know, it wouldn't be a bad idea for me to, to you know, get, get one more time. Just, just get it out. Get the, the baseball itch out one more time. Uh, I think we're, we're going into the playoffs, close to the playoffs, the season's ending. And um, I'm starting to go out and hit some balls, do some, some batting practice, uh, pitching with the coach, Coach Mack. Uh, and uh, Coach Martin's looking for me. He's like, uh, where's Patrick? I'm like, and uh, I guess he's asked his son, Tyler. And uh, he said, Patrick's over at the baseball field. Coach Martin comes over. He's like, what's going on, Pat? How you doing, man? I'm like, doing great. Just uh, out here playing baseball. He's like, uh, I got an idea. How about we call Coach Donovan and see how he feels about you playing baseball? Let's see what he thinks about that. And I said, all right, Coach, never mind. You're, you're, you're right. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm not going to play. And, uh, <laughs> he blamed me. I got blamed for it, Pat. I got blamed for it. Not Coach. You blame me for it. But you know what? Yeah, I I still have the what if itch because uh, I did I do still love the game even though it's boring it's it's a boring game, um, but I'm I'm so glad the choice that I made and getting to, to play under you those uh four years. But coach, the last everyone's gotten to see of you was in the bubble 
uh, in the playoffs. How was that time? How was life in the bubble? You know what, Pat? I, I think that we all were kind of, we felt like we were prepared, you know, like of what it was going to be like. We knew it was going to be very restrictive. We knew that we were going to be testing every single day. We had to get up every morning and take our own temperature, um, fill out a questionnaire. I thought the NBA did a great job of really containing everybody and um, keeping everybody safe. But like once, when we first got in to the bubble, it was really kind of interesting because when we were staying over at the, the Grand Florian Hotel, they had pontoon boats for guys. And you would have loved this because everybody was fishing. They were all yeah. bass fishing like that, right? Off these pontoon boats. And you could all, actually, you could almost stand outside your, uh, your hotel room and you could fish right off into, there was like a little uh, marina where all the boats were at. And then you could take the boat out into the lake a little bit. And then they also had golf set up for the guys uh, at two golf courses, three golf courses there at Disney. So the first like 25 days were interesting because, you know, you'd have these practice times. And if you had like a nine or a 10 o'clock practice time, you're done by noon, you grab something to eat. And then, you know, you grab a couple of players, you go play some golf. Once we got to playing the games, it was really hard because you're playing every other day. And it's like Groundhog Day every single day. You get up, you know, you go get tested. Yeah. You either have a game and you got practice, you know, you go to the same uh, 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 meal room, right? Same, same film room, same everything. And there's really, really not a lot you can really, really do once it starts. So we were there for about 60 days. I mean, obviously the Lakers and, uh, you know, the Miami Heat and those teams, I mean, they were there for probably close to 90 days, if not longer than that. But the NBA did a great job. It was really Really challenging. You know, I think the hard part was not being able to, you know, you, you couldn't move around. You couldn't go to a restaurant. Right. You couldn't see your family. You couldn't, you know, go to someone else's room. It was really, really pretty isolated, but that was to keep everybody safe. But I thought the league did a great job of getting that in so that we could finish the season, which was great. Oh, guys weren't even able to, to go to each other's rooms, you know, and hang out? They wanted, I mean, I think it probably happened, Pat, but they were really very, very, they wanted people to kind of socially distance and, and, and wear masks and those kind of things. So, I mean, we were around each other. You could probably, but they just didn't want a lot of people hovering together. They, and they thought, I think in rooms, it would be a little bit more challenging, but I think players probably did go down and see each other. Guys would go down to the, to the, to the food room and they'd sit together, but I just don't think they wanted like a lot of people congregating in one spot. So, but the NBA did a really nice job of, of, of yeah. helping us, you know, stay safe and then also being able to play. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not sure if you've been keeping up with how it's been going over here overseas. It's uh, so many – without a bubble, I just can't see it possible for players not to get positive because they're going on and living their lives, uh, you know, going to practice, going to a restaurant, whatever. There's, there's been so many teams, especially in the EuroLeague, that have had so many players. And uh, here soon they're going to make a decision on what they're going to do. Uh, and I'm hoping I'm hoping they can, they can finish, it, finish it out and find something, some kind of way to make it work. But – uh, it's, it's, it started off kind of not in the, in the best light right now. So Patrick, but, where um, at right now in terms of your season, is this kind of like training camp or, or, or are you playing games right now? What, what part of the season are you guys in right now? Right now, what month we're in, we're in November. This is uh, a quarter of the way in of, of the season. This, you know, quarter of the way into domestic play and just about seven games in the Euro league play. Um, so there's, there's a lot of, a lot of season left. Every, every, every league is in the first round you know, we typically, they, they do, uh, except Israel. And I can't remember where else you play each team twice home and away, um, as your league and in your domestic league. Uh, so it's, it's, it's really early on right now. And, 
as of Saturday, I'm not sure what the date is, um, here in Greece, there's going to be a, na- a nationwide lockdown. So um, oh, we're wow. going to be stuck in the house <laughs> until the end of the month. End of the month. Wow. Uh, but I can still train. I can still train. I'm actually not, not with the team. I was with the team in Israel earlier and got released um, and took some, took some time uh, here in Greece to train, get myself right. Hopefully by January, uh, I'm not sure where things are going to be. But if I, if I still have my sanity after uh, being in the house for a month and just doing the same yeah. routine, Groundhog Day, as you said, uh, <laughs> I'll find the team. And if not, hopefully after – how long have we known each other now, Coach? I said I met you at 15, so 13 yeah. years. Hopefully we can finally get a fishing trip or something. Yes. I don't know. <laughs> yes. Yes, we have to do that, Patrick. Either over here at Crescent or we'll go over to uh, Cedar Key. Cedar Key sounds great. All right, Coach, let's, let's take it back. Let's take it back. Let's go back to uh, 1996. I was four years old, and you were hired as Billy the Kid, <laughs> the new face of Florida basketball. Take us back and talk about, you know, that, that opportunity, your mindset, your vision, uh, Jeremy Foley giving the keys, that new chapter in, uh, of that, that, that journey in your, in your life. Yeah, you know, Pat, I, I think it was really in a lot of ways, it was a, it was a perfect fit for me um, because one, the relationship I, I established, you know, with, with Jeremy uh, Foley. And I think we were very, uh, we were really, really aligned and connected and had a lot of very, very similar beliefs and philosophies on what it was going to take to try to build the program up. And I came in during a time where, you know, Lon Kruger came in. I was at Kentucky as an assistant for a while. And Florida was on probation. Lon Kruger came in. He did an unbelievable job cleaning up the program, got him to the Final Four. But, you know, he had two losing seasons before he left. I came in. We had two losing seasons. We had four straight losing seasons, you know. So, but I think Jeremy understood, like, the direction we were going, we both believe was the right direction. Pat, the one thing that really helped, and I'm, I'm actually, you know, be, be uh, sad to, to let everybody know this, but Shaky Rodriguez, who was the head coach at Miami High, for a number of years, and we recruited Udonis Hasman, Brent White. He, he passed away last night. Um, oh, so, so sad, yeah, I'm so, so, so sad. He's such a great man, a great coach. But having Anthony Grant on my staff at Marshall and then getting the Florida job and him being a Floridian and certainly knowing and playing at Miami High for Shaky Rodriguez and knowing Frank Martin, that was really the first thing because I think we all felt like we had to do a great job recruiting the state. You know, that was the biggest thing for us is that, you know, Anthony knew the state really well, knew the high school coaches very well. It expedited a lot of time for me getting to know people because Anthony knew a lot of people that helped. And then I think because of John Pelfrey playing at Kentucky, he had kind of a national name and then he enabled us to kind of be able to get out nationally and maybe recruit some different people being at Kentucky for five years, we recruited nationally. So we always had the philosophy of like, okay, if our need, if there's a need at the power forward, center, guard, small forward, like, and it's in the state of Florida, we've got to really do a great job recruiting that young man and, and, and having a, a, a runway and a platform for that guy to excel and play, right? Because you, you go into Jacksonville, Patrick, and you recruit you, right? You want to be able to go back to Jacksonville and recruit again, and you want to be able to go right. back to, so, right? So you Absolutely. want to create a platform where not that you're going to hand them anything, but they, want, they need to have a runway and a platform where they can kind of excel. So it really was a, it was a great time, and there was a lot of real positive things that happened. And I think the timing for us as a staff coming into Florida with Jeremy Foley was, was, was a great time. It, it, we're very, 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 very blessed. And it was a 
God's God's timing. Yeah, I, I'm I'm actually really excited. Uh, I, I I reached out to Jeremy. I'm going to have him on the show too. I can't wait to to pick his brain. I'm sure he's got all types of uh, <laughs> things to talk about. But uh, you, you know, I, I got a chance. Your, your your good friend Jeff Goodman. He says hello. Uh, and he reminded me of, uh, I guess in your earlier years when you were recruiting Mike Miller, uh, chasing him down the highway or something like that, honking at him, trying to, <laughs> to let him know how much you wanted to tell, tell us a little bit about that. We, we, uh, you know, back then it was, it was so, uh, it was so different the recruiting and it changed as, as, as it went along. But back then, you know, what you could basically do, you used to stand in line and wait to talk to the AU coaches after the games were over with, like it during the AU wow. events. You could basically, and basically what you did is you, you know, like if we were recruiting you, Patrick, we, I'd walk across the court and, and, and speak to your AAU coach and, and give him a letter so he can give the letter to you, you know, and that's kind of the way it was. I mean, you could, you could theoretically, I could call up the front desk and, you know, you could tell me, hey, coach, I'm, I'm in room 202, uh, you know, the Holiday Inn. Couldn't have contact, but we could go up there and we could put uh, notes underneath your door. So you still were able to do some things. It was very, very, very different. And um, so I had kind of made a decision after seeing Mike Miller play that I thought that he was a guy that was a great fit for us. And we had Haslam, Haslam we had Teddy Dupay, we had Ledick. So he was like the one guy outside the state. And John Pelter did a great job recruiting him. So I, I think I saw him play I, something crazy like the July recruiting period. I think we saw him play 24 straight days. We followed him for 24 straight days. Wow. Yeah, and, and but the, the thing back then, the trip was you used to play in Vegas, and then you would drive from Vegas to L.A. to play in the L.A. event. That's kind of how, how the circuit went back then. So John Pelfrey and I, we followed their van from Vegas through the desert, you know, uh, into L.A. And we just would try to do outside-the-box things to, you know, because right. we couldn't even really get, get involved. Like, we were just trying to get a visit. I mean, yeah. if the state, at that point in time, Florida had two losing seasons. So we didn't have a lot of, you know, leg to stand on. And we just kind of really developed a great relationship with Mike. And he liked player development. And he wanted to be a pro. And he wanted to go somewhere where they were going to invest time in him. And he wanted to, you know, he, the thing I respected about him in the process is he told me this. I thought it was really, this, this is what I thought really helped us. He said to me, he says, coach, everybody keeps telling me how they're going to build their program around me. And nobody's telling me how and what I need to do to get better. Yeah. And he said, you know, you've watched me play all, all this time. I want you to critique my game and tell me where I got to get better and what's holding me back. And I think because of those conversations with Mike, we got very, very close. And I think that Mike didn't want a lot of the recruiting hoopla where, to your point, he's being told how great he is. We're going to put the ball in your hands. We're going to build our program around you. You're going to do this. It, it, he wasn't right. He wanted to win and he wanted to get better. And that's why I ended up recruiting him so hard because I just believed in who he was as a player. And I thought he'd be a really good fit for us. Yeah, that's, that's such a rare mindset. I'm sure uh, you, you hear these days with the way that social media has just given kids these false realities that they're so good and you only see the highlights on on social media you, you don't get to see the 15 turnovers or the ter these you get to see the, them taking these half court shots from the logo nowadays but that's know, right it is what it is yeah so, so i i know the answer to this but what for for the person that that's not a gator fan um uh, that's listening in that's getting
a chance to know more about you. What were some of your core pillars that you tried to establish your time as Florida, as a coach, I'll say, you know, as a coach at Florida, as a coach now, and uh, how do you instill those things into your players? Yeah, Matt, Pat, I think it's a great thing. I think you, you have to have values, right? You know, both as a person, your life, your job, you have to have some values. And, and you know, those things that I always were important to me, you know, the first thing was, is I, I thought it was important that, you know, we have a group that worked hard, you know what I mean? Because I think that, that yields good results. Uh, you mentioned a little bit earlier, you know, wanted to be ha able to have a group that could handle adversity, both personal and team adversity, because th those things I think are real. I think we wanted to have a tough minded team where we were we, we had a, a mental and a physical toughness about us. Um, I don't know if you can ever show film, but I always say it's one of the greatest. Oh, my plays, gosh. One of the greatest plays I ever saw made was the play you made at Tennessee when the loose oh, yeah. ball game was on the line and, and you dove and came up with that ball and it was such a powerful uh just a powerful moment and a powerful clip to what you and that group were all about you know there was a mental toughness there was a physical toughness and I I, I also think too the most important thing to me is when you have these pillars but I, I've always said this the the teams that I've been around that have been the best teams they have three characteristics they really, really love each other. They really care about each other and they really accept each other. And I think it was interesting. And that was what was so pleasing to me for your guys. You know, even your guys last couple of years was you guys always didn't see eye to eye, right? We had, we had a group of guys that, you know, were, were, were needed, to, needed to do things better off the court. We, need, we had a group of guys that needed to do things better on the court, but it wasn't this really, really connected group like it needed to be. And I think once you, you guys started to get to know each other and each other's stories and each other's uh, uh, personal challenges and things that you guys, you guys were really, you started to have a different view for each other. And I felt like, you know, that team, Patrick, along with that 2006 and seven teams, and even going back to like those team, those guys really loved each other. And the thing that yeah. was so great for me as a coach to be a part of with you guys was to see the way those relationships from your guys' freshman year all the way through evolved into lifelong relationships because of what you guys put into it together. Yeah, it, it, it's uh, really awesome to hear that from your perspective. Just Scotty, Will, Casey, and I just remember us being so close from, from day one and just being able to encourage one another. I mean, I, I remember our freshman year, after every practice, we were playing one-on-one -on -one after practice. We were getting in, in the gym late. We're playing video games together. We're going to training table together. We're whatever experience. And Scott, it, it's so funny. Scotty being the youngest at the time, he was the orchestrator <laughs> of everything. It's, I think I think it was more so because Scotty came from a, a more a little bit of a sheltered environment where he didn't get to experience much. That he was like, I have all this freedom. I'm gonna go and do <laughs> do whatever. And you know, we're you know all, the rest of us. Will's from. Uh, you know, he's not exactly, uh, he's from France and he's still trying to figure things out. Yeah, we're all, Casey's coming from Tennessee. I'm coming from Jacksonville and I'm just, we're all just like all for, along the ride, just, just doing those things together. But yeah, we, uh, we realized early on, I want to say our freshman year that we just saw some of the leadership um, through the, the teams before. And we just, we just made a decision to ourselves that one day when we're in that, those positions, we're going to do things differently. We're going to be the guys that we think 
are the one that that equate to winning. And it it, it wasn't just about and what I loved about uh, what you did so consistently to tell us that it's about staying in the moment, staying present, not taking for granted where you are in this exact moment of how can I get better today? How, how can I stop worrying about yesterday? Yesterday is going to take care of itself. We did what we we either did what we were supposed to do or we didn't do. So today we can get better. And we have no control over tomorrow. So all we can do is focus on today, stay in the moment, get better, and continue to build the bricks. Because I, I actually remember it was after uh, we lost to Michigan in the Final Four, or in the Elite Eight, in the Elite Eight. Um, and we're coming into the senior year. We had one of the best. This is when I started to learn about defensive points per possession, that we had one of the, the best in the country. And it was almost as though we had this arrogance about ourselves coming into that season that we're just going to fall into being this great defensive team again. And I want to say, I'm not sure if it was that preseason game or the first game of the season, you had to hit us with a big piece of humble pie in our face. And like, I don't know who you guys think you are, but you have to lay down the foundation every single day. Just because you did so great last year defensively, yes, that means you, you have potential to, to, to be that, if not better. But if you don't start doing it today and every single day, and I remember we, uh, we were doing that same uh, shell-like dribble handoff drill every single day to start practice. And little did you know that going in, in, uh, against Kentucky the third time in the SEC tournament, they tried to run a dribble handoff on us, and we ended up stopping that to win the game. So it's, it's putting in the work for those small things every single day. It's, it's, I, I tell my, my friends what all the time, the teammates, it's what separates good teams from great teams is that they consistently do the small things each time. That, that's, that's what it is. They, they buy into the small things because they all add up into success. You put yourself in the best position to win uh, when you do the small things. Hands up, jumping to the ball, boxing your man out, whatever it may be. So uh, I'm just so thankful that you, uh, you, put, you put us through so much adversity, especially with that doggone bubble. God, I hated that thing. <laughs> I hated the bubble. Matt, they probably think you're talking about the bubble we just left. They don't realize the bubble on top of the rim. Oh, man, I, I'm not going to lie, Coach. I might, I might choose the bubble that you were in over, over having to be in a two-hour practice with the bubble on top of the rim where the shot's never going up and, and there's no fouls being called. <laughs> you got to get three stops in a row. Yeah. <laughs> Pat, you know what's interesting is, and I really mean this, like, think about this now. You guys, I, I think your guys' senior year is when the league went to 18 league regular season games, maybe yeah. went from 16 to 18 games. And, you know, you talked about staying in the moment and kind of laying the foundation. The, the thing that was so impressive is that that was the first year that there was 18 league games. You guys went – I don't know what the dates were, Patrick, but you guys, your senior year, I think maybe lost, we lost, we lost to Connecticut, I think early December. And then you guys went all the way to the final four and never lost a game. It was like 105 days that you guys went without even losing a game. And I always said like your guys' ability to put success behind you and not let, let it get in the way of what the next step thing that we had to do, you know? And, um, and I, I, I really admired how you guys were playing for each other and for a bigger purpose. And it was like these successes along the way, I think they're rewarding and satisfying for you guys. But you guys knew like, okay, we can't rest on our laurels. We got to come back tomorrow and we got to get back to work. And then, you know, you win another game. Okay, we got it. And it's so easy 
when you're winning to lose sight of the work that's yeah. being put in. And you guys never lost sight of that, which, which was really remarkable because I've never been around a team that's ever gone that you guys went over a hundred days and never lost a game. I mean, that was incredible. Yeah. Well, you, you and, and coach Pelfrey and coach Berno and um, all did such a fantastic job of creating a great culture for us of giving us a grade for each game and just pushing us to, uh, to not settle. Like we would coach. I loved how coach Belfry, uh, was just so adamant on us, not not just winning, but if we let a team score 50 points, if we let them score more than more than 50 points, it, it's like we, we get an F. And we were so bought in, on, especially when we came to like playing Tennessee or playing Kentucky. I remember the last time we played Tennessee uh, at home, just holding Jordan McRae to like three points. Every time he touched the ball, he saw six hands, six hands to the ball. <laughs> You remember all the terminology. I remember all the terminology. Yeah, I remember because it's, it's just so funny uh, I, when you play for a team that played such great team defense, pick and roll, help, white line, uh, whatever it may be, and then I get to another system where I'm like, we're we're, we're kind of just guessing on defense. I'm like, guys, I, I mean, I'm not going to say that our formula is perfect, but if we have some type of understanding of what we need to do each and every time will be such such a better and it's not even about talent at that point it's about being understanding of being in the right place uh jumping to, jumping into the ball being active things that any professional basketball player should be able to do well patrick the other thing the reason why we were so great defensively was two things i i think you have a chance to be elite defensively when you have an elite point guard which scotty was incredibly elite and you have an elite center which you were People don't understand how much work you had to do on a regular basis, especially with the way the game was evolving in pick and roll, where you were up and you did an unbelievable job always. You'd be down. Guards could never get around you. You'd string it out. Your man would be rolling to the rim. Somebody would be holding to give you a little bit of support. You'd have to sprint back inside, get on, yeah. shot will go up. you got to go block out. you got to go rebound. Then you got to run down the floor. The, and I thought that was probably your biggest adjustment from your maybe sophomore year to your senior year is you developed incredible endurance to be able to do that. And I think, yeah. you know, like your sophomore year, I think it was like coming off the bench behind uh, uh, Alex Tyus and Vernon Macklin and Chandler and those guys. And you kind of were like this, it was like a, this, this lightning bolt that came in off the bench, right? Just like stuff right. happened. But then yeah. all of a sudden those guys leave and now you got this thing and you're like, gosh, I mean, this is I'm a the guy. heavy load. This is hard. It's a heavy load. You know? <laughs> and it takes yeah. time to learn how to, you know, because it's fatiguing, it's exhausting. You try to feel, okay, where can I get a rest? Where can I get here? Oh, but man. I think you, as time went on, really understood just the physical, like what you were, what you did physically your senior year was, was absolutely remarkable on both ends. Man, I, I remember the, the one game, uh, Will, I think Will got a concussion. Early on, we had the great jerseys against Tennessee. And that was the first time I ever experienced what it's like to be a big man to play 38 minutes. And <laughs> I keep looking back at the bench. I keep looking back at the bench. And you're like, nah, bro, it's you. <laughs> you're in. I'm like, coach, 38 minutes is a different animal. I don't, I don't know what <laughs> Oh man, I actually, oh, yeah. I actually ended up playing a, a 38 minutes uh, my last season in Italy, and that was another monster as well. I, I just, I don't see how guys, you, you really have to be committed to the conditioning 
part of basketball to because uh, you know you, uh, you 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 showed us one day of uh, how long we each have the ball actually in our hands on the on, in a game. Just if someone had a stopwatch and from the 40 minute game or 48 minute NBA game, how long is the ball actually in your hand? If you're not the point guard, if you're not LeBron or, or whoever it may be, like I, I'm going to have the ball in my hand maybe less than 30 seconds. You know what what else can you do for the rest of that? 39-30 to impact winning. And like you said, that's running the floor. That's what you always, always, always push me to do, run the floor so well. That's what bigs uh, – and I appreciate coaches that are uh, adamant on reminding their guards to reward their big guys sometimes because, <laughs> you know, we, we – just rebound. Run, run, <laughs> run, you run, you steal, you steal, you're like, oh, you're like – no, come back and get the, come, come set the screen real quick. <laughs> no question. And I think, Patrick, like, you're exactly right. Like, people don't understand, I think, your job. The, like, that's the thing. First of all, at the center spot, you're the biggest, tallest, and probably from a weight standpoint, you're the heaviest guy on the team. And I'm not saying that Scotty or Casey or Will or these other guys didn't put work in. I don't mean that. But – for you to drag 260, you know, up and down the court like that, have to play in pick and roll coverage, and then a lot of times inbound the ball and then run down the floor, like you're playing almost end line to end line, you know, in a lot of ways. And a lot of times the guards are playing, you know, like top of the key to top of the key. It's a little bit – and plus we're pressing. So, like, the, 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 what you had to do physically yeah. was, was incredible in terms of people probably cannot really put that into perspective unless they – because, listen – not only the running, but the physical contact against post defense and blocking out like that's that wears you down over a period of time, you know. And you got really, really great at that, you know, as, as, as your career unfolded. Really good at it, yeah. yeah you know, I just, I just look back and uh, just wish I would have done a little bit better job on the rebounding standpoint. But you know, it, a, a person that's not looking at numbers and can see those small that understands the game can see, you know. How many? How often was anybody scoring on me in the post, or uh, how, what, what was a player's efficiency of getting an assist or points in pick and roll defense? Because you know, Scotty and I in an ice, you know, which is uh, for people that don't understand the screen that's on the wing, we're forcing them to stay on the side. We're we're, we're not giving them the middle. Uh, the guard will will jump on his top side and force him to the baseline, and I'll be there to stop. if he tries to beat me. To, to the baseline, uh, the big has to be quick enough to do so and not allow them the, the guard to split the screen as well. And we did such a great job on that. But coach, let's get let's get more on, on your career. Uh, I want to talk about you playing at, because um, I remember you told me uh, when you were playing for Coach Patino uh, at Providence, just how rigorous the practice schedule was. And uh, you know he was the reason <laughs> for the 20 hour rule in college basketball right now. Tell us, tell us about that. Yeah, there, there's, there is no question, Patrick, in my mind that they put the 20-hour rule in because of, of, of him. Um, I loved it. Uh, it was great for me because if it wasn't for him and that kind of environment, I would have never experienced what I got a chance to experience in the game of basketball. Um, I mean, people probably can't even wrap their head around this. And this is, again, this is, you know, 30-plus years ago. But, you know, when we when we first started, like in October, you had mentioned having double sessions. We we had double sessions on Saturdays, 
and we had triple sessions on Sundays. We went three times on Sunday. <laughs> and, and basically what our day was, Patrick, and, and I loved it. So I don't want to – like this to me as a basketball junkie and as a guy that wanted to be as good as he could be and wanted to kind of exhaust right. every opportunity to reach his potential, I loved it. But Oh, you were a dog, Coach. <laughs> well, we got, up, we got up, Patrick, went to class, and then we had individual instruction for 45 minutes in between class. And it was with, with one of the coaches, and it was pretty intense for 45 minutes, all shots, ball handling, uh, screen shooting, things like that. There was another guy out there. We played one-on-one. But it was a 45-minute workout. We would come back, and we would uh, practice at 3 o'clock. And practice would go from 3 to 5.30, 3, you know, 3 to 6, somewhere in there. And then we'd shower up. We'd go to the cafeteria. We'd grab something to eat. And then study hall started at 7.00. And we had study hall in our practice facility, you know. Mm. Um, so we were upstairs. So we would, we would go from study hall from 7 to 10. And then we'd come back down and practice again at 10 o'clock at night. Pete, and it was, it, was a, it, was a, it was a non-contact practice. So it could be scripting our offense and maybe shooting free throws. There was no contact, no tape. Okay. Coach Bettina would get out there. We would actually, like, um, we'd do these shooting games games we played two on two shooting games and whoever lost you know, had to go downstairs and buy the other guy milkshakes and stuff like that so it was great you know it was great like we we, we but that's the way it was I mean we never ever the, the there was no such thing as having to take a day off there was no mandatory days off we probably had off wow. from practice maybe three times the entire year and I mean it was it was from I mean basically from the time you got up to the time you went to the bed your day was completely occupied and when the day was over with you, not want to go anywhere, but you wanted to go to bed, you know. You wanted to go to bed, but, like. Yeah. Oof. No, but it was it was great. I mean, just because I mean, again, like Jeff Van Gundy was one of the assistant coaches. Oh wow, uh, Herb, that's cool. Herb Sendek, who was uh, the head coach of Santa Clara, was at Arizona State and NC State. He was he's an assistant coach. Stu Jackson, who was the head coach for the Knicks, you know, for a period of time, and and Vancouver Grizzly, he's coached me. And then Gordy Chiesa, who was the, one of the assistant coaches for Utah. So I had a chance to, 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 to play for some really, really great coaches over the years. Really great coaches. You Not only have you gotten to play for some great coaches, I mean, just how many coaches have been under you or with you or connected with you that are now out doing their own thing? I mean, I'm, I'm even excited to see Darren Hurts, assistant coach at Dayton with Anthony Grant right now. Like, it's, it's, it's incredible. The, the, the tree that goes – goes from Billy Donovan or, you know, it starts from somewhere else where, you know, of everyone that you've been connected to has been pretty amazing just to see, uh, you know, who knows one day I'd work for you in a heartbeat coach. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks Pat. Well, listen, I always say this, you're only as good as the people you have around you and that's players and coaches. And I've been really blessed and fortunate to coach some incredible players, but even more importantly, incredible people. And I've been able to be around not only some incredible coaches, but people that were incredible people and, and did a wonderful job. So, you know, I, I think that you're only as good as the people that you have around you. And I had a lot of great people around me. Awesome. Uh, let's transition. Coach, let's talk about, uh, you know, after my senior year, you stayed at Florida for one more year um, and then decided maybe it was time to, to try something different. Um, I know that OKC was around and you had connections with Sam Presti for a while, just to uh, stay connected with those guys. How, first off, because uh, I know back in 2007 was an opportunity for you to, to think about going with the Orlando Magic. How did that decision 
uh, with the Magic compared to your decision after your, the was fourteen fifteen season yeah. decide to to take that that leap of faith and go into the NBA. Well, I think it's a great question, Patrick, because one of the things for me in that situation was coming off the two championships and then going to potentially the Magic. I felt. There was just this, this angst I had that I'm like, okay, we put all this work in, not just me, but Jeremy Foley and myself, the staff, the players. And it's like, we're not, I'm not, as a coach, I'm not, I'm never going to know what could have been a Florida basketball because we've just come off of two national championships and I'm going to pick up and leave. And I'm not really seeing this thing through. And I felt like mm -hmm. I hadn't seen the whole thing through. And when I made the decision to go, I, I, for whatever reason, I don't know why it didn't sooner, but it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I'm like, I can't do this. I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm leaving, you know, the, I, the, just this, I think there's more to do here. Yeah. And then I, <laughs> excuse me, Pat, then I think, you know, the next, whatever, <clears throat> whatever it was, next eight years, <clears throat> excuse me, um, having <clears throat> Chandler, you, Scotty, all these guys. We had some incredible moments, but I got to a place where I was like, you know what? There's nothing more I can experience. Yeah. I had to start over after you, Scotty, and Casey and Will left. Had to start over after Joe Kim, Al, Corey, and Torian left. Um <clears throat> Lost in some games to go to the Final Four, won some games to get to the Final Four, won in the National Championship, lost in the National Championship, been in the NIT, uh, lost in the NIT, had losing seasons, winning. So, like, I went through all this cycle, and I loved it, but I just felt like it was time for me to, you know, was, was there something like, could I, could I, would I be stretching myself in a way? Because I knew I could be right. comfortable with Florida. I loved it, but, like, would I look back and say, you know what? I had this opportunity, an opportunity to do something. I didn't do it. I'm looking back and I'm regretting it. And I, I didn't want to do that. But I also felt like I was at peace finally, Patrick. I wasn't yeah. at peace. I, I was at peace that this this was a good time. And, you know, it's been 19 years. And it wasn't look like I was, it, it, would, it, it needed to be a unique situation for me in order to leave Florida because of yeah. the relationship, you know. Uh, but I just felt like I experienced everything. I felt like we took the program from day one all the way through 19 years. And there was a lot of unbelievable moments, a lot of difficult moments, some, some high times, low times. You're going to have that when you're at a place for a long period of time. But uh, I had a chance to grow and be around like incredible people, which I'm always grateful for. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely, when I saw you made the decision, I was completely supportive. I could see that. I always hoped that you would, uh, you know, take that chance and see what it was like. And, and uh, you know, why not? Why not? It's your life. It's your legacy. It's, if your family supports it, if you're at peace with it, you know, I, I came to Florida because of you and, and being able to, to see you continue to do your thing and, and push yourself because <laughs> it's easy to be comfortable. Uh, but it's, it's, it's tough to take on a, a challenge in un, unknown territory. And, and I'm so glad that you did that. Um, what was like your, your biggest adjustment, um, going from college to the NBA and coaching some of the most talented guys in the world. And uh, just the, the atmosphere, the fan base is different. Uh, what, you know, tell us, tell me a little bit about that. The, the hum most humbling part for me, Patrick, was the fact that 
my first year with Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, Serge Ibaka, Nick Collison, Stephen Adams, you know, these guys um, were in the NBA six, seven, eight, ten 10 years. And they had way, way more experience and knowledge than I had. And I knew going in there that I had to, so to speak, catch up to them, mm-hmm. right? Because I think the first game I coached in the NBA was against the San Antonio Spurs. It was our opening game, my first time coaching. And you're going through shoot-around that day. And you have to accept the fact that, like, Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant have played against Kawhi Leonard and Tony Parker and Tim Duncan for seven straight years. And they've played in playoff series. They know these players inside and out, how to guard them. I needed to pick their brain to get information from them because I could certainly watch film. But when it came to defensive scouting reports, a lot of times those guys had very, very interesting insights. You know, it would be like Mm -hmm. hypothetically, you know, somebody that you played against Patrick in college for four straight years and you get to be a senior and you're watching, you know, video, but you know, playing against that guy for eight times, you know, well, these guys just Imagine they've played, you know, imagine that Russell Westbrook's played against Tony Parker 30 times or right. Durant's played against Kawhi Lennon 40 times. Like I don't have that experience. So I had to really utilize it. So that was, that was, uh, that was, that was something that's funny. Then, and then it was funny because in one of the first games of the year, I'm in a time and the players were great, Patrick, because I'm sure that there was some things they're probably looking at going, okay, like this guy's from college. Like does this guy, the X's and O's weren't bad. It's just the game was a lot different as you know, but, so there was a foul in the lane uh, in one of the games early when I, when I, my first year. It was a foul in the lane. They're taking the ball out of bounds. Is it? There's a, a TV timeout. They come to the bench, and I'm sitting there, and I'm diagramming and underneath that a bounce play. So Westbrook, <laughs> Westbrook takes his hand and puts it over my clipboard and says, Coach, up here, we take it out on the side. In college, they take it out underneath the basket. I said, okay, you know. So you, you get into some of those situations where the game is moving so fast. I remember my first couple of times, I, I put Nick Collison in the game, and he, Nick's like a 15-year vet, and I'm not even paying attention. And, and he comes back over, he says, you got to get me out of the game. I was like, Nick, I just put you in the game. He said, they have five guards out there. I can't guard anybody. I'm like, oh, my God. You know, <laughs> you know so it's just like, the game moves so fast and it's so different that, you know, it takes a while to catch up. So I would say it probably took me, you know, you know, 30, 40, 50 games just to kind of get into a better rhythm. But a lot of it was my rhythm of trying to learn league, learn coaches, learn systems, learn styles, learn personnel. And I really worked hard to watch a lot of film to catch up. Yeah. Wow. Uh, That's awesome. Uh, Humbling to hear that. I didn't even think about that aspect of it. Yeah, these guys have played. If I would have played somebody for, you know, 30, 40 times, you know, the best, you know, the best, well, you know, I, I would feel as though I knew somebody inside out in that aspect. And yes, maybe there's some blind spots. It, hopefully that guy has humility because there's still, we all have blind spots, things we don't see, something we could do better. And that's kind of, like your, 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 your job was to help facilitate these guys to see their blind spots, to help them be more effective. And, and that's, to, that's, that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. But Pat, uh, you know what, Pat, it would be like you being, it'd be like you playing against someone from Kentucky 
or someone from Tennessee three straight years and maybe you played him once, but you've played against this guy eight, ten times your career and you know this guy inside and out. And then the next thing you know, they hire a high school coach. And now the high school coach is the head coach and he's coming from high school to college. And now you're getting ready to play Tennessee and they're talking about the scouting report and you're sitting there saying, all right, I played against this guy. Like I should have a little bit of a voice right now to kind of tell you what I, right. Right. That's what happened basically for me is I had to go to Westbrook and Kevin Durant and Ibaka and I had to talk to them about players and I had to talk to them about, you know, how they thought that they could most effectively guard and, you know, just different things offensively different things defensively to learn and those guys were really really good in terms of helping me and to your point you know humbling because we're all trying to do the same thing we're trying to win so right. you know what can I do to help so I, I I had a I had a lot of work ahead of me to catch up and I think I worked hard and did that but it, it, they were those guys were great with me they were great what was it like uh you know I know you had Kevin Durant for one year and you had Westbrook for what four and yes. Paul George as well and what was it like uh just coaching with coaching these guys and uh, you know, being able these guys I and mean, seeing guys that, that they'll be there for a gym and they'll miss like five shots, guys that don't miss and just are, Westbrook it has to be the most athletic guy you've ever you've ever coached. No, I mean the, the the thing the thing that's amazing, Patrick, is even like with Russell Westbrook or Chris Paul or to your point, Paul George, they all have their own way of getting ready to play, but they ha- they know how to get themselves ready to play. And you never really worry about those guys showing up to play because that's why they're so elite is they know how to get themselves ready and they're great competitors. Um, I learned a lot by being around those guys, just their attention to detail. We talked about this, you know, on the the top of the show, you know, what it means to be a pro. I'll never forget this. We had a a East Coast swing. This was this past season. And we were we're coming off. We we just played Brooklyn. It was a double overtime game. And we had – Really, 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 it was a snowstorm in Brooklyn, and we had really terrible headwinds going back to Oklahoma. And we landed, I want to say, like maybe like 5 o'clock, 5.30 in the morning. And we had that day, and then we were playing the next day. So I was like, wow. So I went home, fell asleep, got up, and I went to the office. We didn't have practice that day, but we were playing the next day. It's 7 o'clock at night. I'm sitting in my office, and my phone rings, and it's Chris Paul. And I'm like, hey, how you doing? And he's like, I'm doing good. He's like, where are you? I said, I'm, I'm in my office. Where are you at? He says, I'm back in the locker room and I'm like, all right, I'll come back and see you. So I go back there and this is at seven o'clock at night, the night before a game. And we just got in at five 30 in the morning and he's going back and forth between the sauna and the cold tubs uh, to do ice, uh, hot, hot and cold Cover. therapy treatment. And, and yeah. then he's doing like mobility work in the weight room to get himself ready. And like, he was the only one there. And like, wow. I had such admiration for why he is so good you know everybody talks he's he's really smart he is really smart oh he can really really make yeah he can do but if you saw the way he fights every day for inches like his game's not going to change he's 35 years old but you talk about a guy that fights for inches I think Russell Westbrook's the same way if you see these guys away from the court the diligence that they how they eat how they rest how they, you know, what time, the nutrition, the hydrate. I mean, it, it's, it's, they are meticulous about gaining an advantage. And they watch film and they study and they, they view it as a job. And to your point, like, they take ownership in getting themselves ready to play. And they're, they are terrific with that. Terrific. That's incredible. Man, yeah, like you, you know, everything adds up. Fighting for inches is so, so 
I wish that that, that needs to be a motto over uh, every locker room for, for guys and young guys to understand that that's what it takes. That Because uh, guys get so talented and so, uh, so good at a certain point. It's like, what else are you doing? How can you recover and have yourself at a, the, the best level? Because it, it, it comes down to those last conditioning, the last five minutes, especially in the playoffs, those last five minutes. You know, I was watching – watching you guys' playoff series against the, the Rockets, and it really came down to those last five minutes close to it every game. And even the last the, – the, the final game, it was right there within the last minute and a half, and Eric Gordon came up and made some terrific defensive plays yeah. out of nowhere right That's on right. Chris Paul. I, could, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't yeah. believe it. I was really, really rooting for you guys. But uh, great, great season. Um, yeah, no, I appreciate that. There was a great group, great group. I enjoyed so those coach, guys. So, Coach, you're uh, currently the head coach of the Chicago Bulls. Was this, was this a dream to uh, get this another opportunity like this? I, I wasn't sure exactly what you were going to do. I didn't know if you were going to take some time away from coaching or because I hadn't talked to you. Uh, yeah. You know, how, did, how did the opportunity come into fruition? Uh, what made it so appealing? What, what, is, what was it about just, uh, you know, not leaving OKC where you were comfortable again or – or what, you know, tell, tell us uh, about all that stuff, please. Yeah, you know, I just felt like, Pat, um, just in the conversations with OKC, it was time, you know, for me. Um, and I was very, very, um, very appreciative, very grateful. Like we talked about being able to come from college and go into a really good team and uh, work with some really incredible people. And the time that I had there was great, but I just felt like it was time, you know, for me to kind of to move on. Um, I did not know what to expect. Um, I think Labor Day was on a Monday, Tuesday. I sat down with them and kind of let them know what I was planning on doing. And I drove on Thursday morning from Oklahoma to Florida. I had wow. not seen my family because we just got out of the bubble. We got basically yeah. back right before Labor Day weekend. So I ended up just driving back to Florida and they had called and wanted to come in on Friday. And I'm like, listen, I just got back and wait till Monday. And they came in Monday, the, the, the president and the general manager, and it was great. I mean, they, they really wanted a partner, you know, in, in, in everything that they're doing. You know, they, uh, I think, really wanted me to, 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 to work closely with them, putting together a staff, um, building out a system and a style of play. I felt like they were really leaning on me for a lot of those things. Um, you know, like one of the things I think, like you hear a lot of times in the NBA, you'll hear words like, you know, they, they want a shared vision and they want alignment and they want collaboration and they're all great words and got no problem with them. But the one word that really I thought hit with me that really kind of grabbed my attention was, they, they, you know, they, they told me they wanted a partnership, that they wanted a partner and really work closely together. And I really, you know, appreciate that. And, and I had a really good working relationship in, in Oklahoma City. But when you leave and you're now taking over something new, you don't know what it's going to look like because that's my right. only experience in the NBA. So a lot of the things that they talked to me about made sense. So we talked on that uh, Monday. Uh, we talked again on Wednesday. I uh, talked to ownership on Friday, and then they gave me the weekend to decide, and I just kind of said some prayers and, um, yeah, you know, just uh, spoke to my family and, they were very supportive. So, you know, decided I really wanted to do it, wanted to be a part of it. But I, I didn't know what the future I, – I, I was leaving Oklahoma under the impression that I was going to probably maybe just take the year off with the virus. Right. Who knows when the was going to start up. And 
maybe just kind of spend some time with my family and, and just kind of, yeah, just go and go from there, you know, just see what happens. Go from there. Maybe go over to Greece and visit you, you know. Hey, that'd whatever. be cool. Me and Scotty and Will. <laughs> That's right. We'll go over there and see you guys. So I, um, I just, uh, you know, I didn't know what was going to happen. And this thing kind of really, really opened up and I was really excited about it. Well, I'm, I'm extremely happy for you and I can't wait to see, uh, you know, when, hope, when the season's going to start there. I think they're talking about this a December start in. Hopefully we can yep. all get, uh, get that thing going by then. But it is, it is so exciting to be a part of this, this journey and see you continue to chase after greatness, Coach. And the last, I got two more questions for you and I'm, I'm going to let you go. Uh, the first sure. one, the first one comes from uh, this. This first, last question, second to last question, comes from our our main man, Super Gator Jerome Millman. Oh, oh, uh, great! Yeah, great. Um, I'm dedicating dedicating a, a segment to him, a question to him every every podcast because I just oh, I love great. that guy to death. He is great. He is great. So he he wants to talk a question regarding the 2014 season. Uh, was there a time when you foresaw us winning 30 games and going to the final four? Um, I felt like the group, uh, Pat, uh, had every opportunity. We'd gone three years in a row. I mean, what you guys did was remarkable. I mean, the we only game, three elite final fours in a row, four final fours in a row. <laughs> well, the, one, the, the only one, Pat, I, the only one, if you think about it, like Michigan really, really beat us pretty, pretty handily, right? Yeah. But Louisville – and Butler, we were in command of those games. We had, a, we had every opportunity to win, and we fell a little short, right? But you're exactly right. We almost went to four final, final fours in a row. Um, I felt like we were close, and I thought that we could, um, we could get there. The one thing I had no understanding and never would have thought possible would have been that you guys would have went 100 and whatever it was, 5, 10, 12 days of never losing a game and the fact that you guys would gone undefeated in the SEC. And the one you, – you, you don't remember this. We were coming towards the end, Pat. This is funny. And I talked to Duke, and you, I don't know if you remember this. We played Auburn at Auburn, and we played really poorly. And we ended up winning by seven points, and we just didn't play very well. So we had Auburn coming to our place. It was maybe like – I don't know. Man. Like it was maybe like – maybe like there's only a few games left before – there was maybe four games left. So I'm showing you guys film and I'm saying like we, cause they were starting to play a little better over and they were, they were, they were playing better. We played them very early in the year and I showed this film. I was showing you guys all these negative plays we're making this, 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 and this. And I walk out of the film room and Duke says, great job having them believe there's no way in, in, in hell they could ever lose this game. I'm like, what are you talking about? I said, I just showed all the mistakes. He says, you just got done showing them all those mistakes, and they still won. They think Auburn stinks. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, so all of a sudden, I look down at the bench. There's like two minutes to go in the game. It's a tie score, and Frazier yeah. makes a three at the top, and we go up three, and then they turn the ball over by our bench. We get it back, Man. and we end up the game but they those 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 uh, little point guards that one lefty was really good player they had some good good we couldn't control those guys yeah i remember that game like you that was actually one of my favorite games from my team great game. because we faced you know going into that game i remember i i don't know if you remember it but i hurt my quad in the warm-ups yes and the, the first half i had zero points and one rebound and you got at, you got after me in the in, in the halftime you're like are you going to man up and play or do I need to find somebody 
else. And I said, you know what, I'm going to play. And I think I ended up with 17 and 10 and uh, ended up, I got fouled, knocked down two free throws to, to, to tie the game. And then that's when the next possession, Frazier hit the three, the place is rocking, going crazy. Man, the, the place, it, I miss, I miss that environment so much, man. We had, <laughs> we had that place rocking. The rallies were unbelievable. And it was, it was so loud. They, the fans should have gotten a stat for the turnover on that when they threw the ball out of bounds. Which was <laughs> But yeah, that was definitely one of my one of my favorite games uh, that we ended up. I, I don't think there was ever a point where we had in our minds uh, we were focused on going eighteen and zero. Literally, you, you we just saw, saw the picture of the bricks of us building that foundation of you, you know you will lay the foundation of the bricks each time we will beat a team, and we're like we want this wall to be complete. You know, we're going to put one at a time and do what it what, what needs to be done and. We were able to – it sucks that Kentucky went on and did it again the next year. We couldn't even get, like, a few years. We're the only thing to We're the first. can't take away the first. You guys are the first. Absolutely. The first. Well, Coach, here's my last question for you. Uh, with everything that you've accomplished thus far as a, as a coach and, and as a man, and uh, how do you want to be remembered? What, how do you want your legacy to be remembered when you finally hang it up? Boy, I think it's a great question, Pat. I, I think that the, the, the biggest thing that I've always admired, you know, people ask you like different things whenever you finish up coaching, you know, what, what, what do you want, you know, it to look like? And, you know, I, I think rings and championships are unbelievable. I think that to me that those are just symbolic of a group of guys working together and accomplishing something they couldn't accomplish on their own. And it takes a very, very special group. I've always admired the way Dean Smith, and even John Wooden, the players that you say in North Carolina talked about their, their guys as coaches, you know, and I, I would just, I would want my legacy to be that, you know, I was a coach that really, really loved the game and, and cared about his players and, and pushed his players. And I would really, it would, it would be important to me, Patrick, that, that guys would sit there and say, you know, although he may have been hard and challenging, you know, I trusted him and he was a good person yeah. and he tried to do the Absolutely. right things. You know, that's, 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 that would really be important to me. Um, you know, like, listen, you and I, like, I saw obviously so much ability in you and just your whole package, your smile, how bright and articulate you are. And just, you could, you could do anything, you know, you could, we talked about this, you could go into broadcasting, you could go into marketing, you could do whatever you want to do. And then you know what, you got, this whole athletic side that you can, you know, potentially go play and play for a long period of time. And you sit there and you look at this incredible talented guy and your job and responsibility is to try to challenge him to be and reach his fullest potential. You know, it's funny because I was telling you, your mom and I were talking on the phone. This is a great story. So you, you, you were, I think you were, you were having, you were having a, a, a tough time. It wasn't, it wasn't so much you, Pat. I think, I think there was unfairly, I think it's very hard for players when they're being compared to other players and you coming out of high school, it was Dwight Howard, this guy's the neck, you know, and that's a lot for a young guy to handle. You know what I mean? Well, you can't even just go be Patrick Young, you go be somebody else. So you were having a tough practice. You missed some shots. You were getting frustrated. And, you know, when you got upset, like, Guys scattered, right? No one wanted to get hit yeah. by Pat. Like, yeah. So yeah, I you're not. Yeah. I'm like, this is young. I'm like, he, you know, he gets so upset, he gets so frustrated. He says to me, Coach, I tell him all the time at home, Patrick, 
we will talk tomorrow when you get you composed and you get your thoughts together. We'll talk tomorrow. I'm like, that's great, Mrs. Young, but I'm in the middle of a practice. I don't have tomorrow. Have tomorrow. I got to figure it out now. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I know, right? So, but I mean, that's, I think as a coach, you're, you're trying to sit there and, you know, it was funny because Pat, there's, there's a kid I coached, Thad Bonaparte at, at, at Marshall, and I inherited him and it, it didn't work out. It, like it just did not work out. And he was really talented, gifted, could have been a really, really, really good player. And I kind of lost contact with him. You know, I mean, I coached Marshall 25, he kind of lost contact. And, you know, earlier in the season, he reached out and connected with me. And we had this conversation and this guy is like reciting things back to me that I was basically talking about at Marshall my first year there. And he was talking about how much regret he had had. They didn't pay attention and he had every opportunity and he's doing great. But like, as a coach, it's so hard. Like that seed didn't really start to take root till he was in his late thirties, you know, and all you can do is plant the seed coach. Yeah. Right. And you know what you, like you, as you started to get to your junior and senior year stuff, you know what I mean? So everybody learns and grows at their own rate. Everybody learns and grows to their own experiences. And, you know, as a coach, you have to be able to accept that everybody's growth process is all different. Right. But you just hope that at some point, you know, they even call back and say, you know what, like I got it now. I didn't get it when I was 20, but I got it when I was 30, you know, which is okay. It's just, it's, it's all good. So um, that's, I think that's the, the great part about coaching and also the challenging part about coaching, you know, cause selfishly we all want you guys to get it now and right. you know, it doesn't work like that. It just doesn't work like that. Well, you, 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 you know, as well as I do, a lot of the, the, the watering and the growing is in the good Lord's hands and, uh, his timing is perfect. It, it, as much as I wish I, I could have figured it out sooner. Um, I think the man that I am now, I, I, I credit to you and I credit to of course my family as well but also his timing of taking me through some some things I don't think you know with the, you know the, the adversity I've faced these last few years with injuries and being in yeah. the hospital I don't think I would have the same resiliency and mindset if I wouldn't have been able to go through some tough times of understanding what it takes to be a man to be disciplined to understand there's a lot I can't control and just leaving it up in his hands and just continuing to be the best I can be every day because we have no, a lot of things we don't have control over, but the best I can do is to put the best version of myself out to people every day and to strive to be who the good Lord calls me to be. Am I going to be perfect at it? No, but I, each day I'm going to strive to be better and better. But anyways, coach, I thank you so much for your time. This has been awesome. Uh, I can't wait till see what's going to happen here with uh, basketball season. Um, as soon as I get home, I am coming straight to Chicago and I'm going to try and spend some time with you and Hopefully, we'll be able to get to finally, finally catch some fish after 13 years. <laughs> yes. Patrick, I, I love the time, and I love you and your family, and I wish you all the best in Greece. Appreciate what you're doing to keep all the Gator Nation connected. It's awesome. And I uh, just appreciate you getting me the opportunity to talk. But more importantly, it was great just catching up and you and I talking for an hour or so. It was awesome. That was awesome. That was awesome. Good